Good morning, everyone, um, and welcome to our second run through of our hybrid services that are going to be starting next week. Um, I'm in the church this week, which I wasn't last last time. Must admit, it's a bit odd, but um, it will be be good when we have some congregation in here as well. So, welcome to everybody, no matter where you are. Um, I've got one notice to give, and that is that uh, starting next week, it will be possible for the congregation to come into the church to worship, um, subject to the restrictions that uh, you've already been told about, about uh, not singing and wearing masks and being socially distanced. Can I just say that if you are intending to come, could you please let Evelyn know? Um, because we do need to know numbers. I know some people have said that in, you know, in general, they are interested in coming, but it is something that you would need to do week by week to let Evelyn know whether you were intending to come um, the, you know, the, the following Sunday. So thank you for that. Tony, you have a notice. Good morning, everyone. Um, just a notice for the church members of Heathervale Baptist Church. And that is that uh, uh, at the November church meeting, we will be having an election of leaders. And uh, today uh, is the closing date, and we have had two nominations. And they are Alison, Alison Blair for Deacon for Finance, uh, which is the church treasurer role. And Alison uh, would like to stand for one year. And she's been proposed by myself and seconded by Evelyn Gunn. And then Janine Hooper-Windsor, uh, for a diaconate position and for a three-year term, uh, proposed by Nigel Straker and seconded by Maury Meadley. Now, as the members are aware, uh, Inika Kluwer's term as deacon comes to an end uh, at the November church meeting, and she has been prayerfully considering um, whether or not to stand again, and um, she doesn't feel that she's being called to stand for another term. Uh, but I'm very pleased to say that she is willing to carry on the role of mission, uh, but as a coordinator rather than a diaconate position. So we do thank you, Inika, for your willingness to serve God in this way. So these positions will be voted on at the November church meeting. Thank you. Well, before uh, Steve leads us in, in song worship, I'm, I'm going to read a few verses from Psalm 98. Sing to the Lord a new song. For he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations. He has remembered his love and his faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Shout for joy to the, the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of singing with trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn, shout for joy before the Lord, the King. Yeah. 
Lord, what an understatement that is, that it's good to be loved by you. It's incredible. Um, we just can't really grasp it when we really do think about it, that you love us. And uh, I wonder if one or two people would now like to unmute themselves and, and give thanks, give thanks to our God for the, the grace and the mercy and, and the love that he lavishes on each one of his children. Psalm 91 says, If you say the Lord is my refuge and you make the Most High your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guide you in all your ways. I will protect you, said the Lord, for you acknowledge my name. Praise be to God.
Thank you that you love us unconditionally. Thank you that you will never leave us nor forsake us. Thank you that your love is higher than any mountain and deeper than any ocean. We thank you, Lord. Amen. Lord, we do thank you for your love, for your mercy, for the grace that we've experienced. And as we've sung, our righteousness is as filthy rags, but because of the sacrifice of Jesus, we are made righteous before you. And we thank you for that, that incredible privilege that we can never fully comprehend or, or thank you enough for. But Lord, would you accept our thanks and our praise, inadequate though they are, um, because they come from the heart. Amen. We're now going to uh, see a, a video about Operation Christmas Child. The children are completely overjoyed. It's a real celebration. So many smiles on their faces. Smiles are all over. <laughs> yeah, these kids behind me are so excited because they've just received their boxes. Kids are so excited. Giving them a gift, do it in Jesus' name. That's what this is all about. Operation Christmas Child is about expressing the love of God. It's its wonderful way to enter into the Christmas spirit in its true meaning. Operation Christmas Child has grown hugely over 30 years since it started here in Britain. But now it is a worldwide project to send millions of shoeboxes all over the world. That's what I love about Operation Christmas Child. It knows no borders and knows no boundaries. It's all about sharing the name of Jesus Christ. So the shoebox journey essentially starts from people in their home packing shoeboxes full of essential items like a toothbrush, some school supplies. Toys and gifts, hygiene items. So there's a real mix. I love choosing the things to go in a shoebox. I like to think about what a child would enjoy receiving. Father, we commit these boxes to you as they start their journey. All sorts of people can help with Operation Christmas Child. It's families, it's churches, it's hundreds of thousands of volunteers that help make Operation Christmas Child so successful. It's so encouraging having people coming into the church, bringing their boxes. Everybody out there who packs your boxes, they are spreading God's love. Some of them go by train, some go by camels, some go by ships. These boxes go all over the world, and that is only the beginning. So when the children have got their boxes, they are invited to take part in something called The Greatest Journey. Which is a 12-lesson discipleship program where they learn about the greatest gift, which is Jesus Christ. After a child completes The Greatest Journey, they graduate and receive a certificate and a Bible in their own language. When the light of the gospel is turned on, it makes everything new. 
Operation Christmas Child opens doors for people to discover what is the greatest gift of all, the love of God through Jesus. It is impacting children. It is impacting families. It is impacting the world greatly. I really encourage you to pack a shoebox and get involved with Operation Christmas Child. Lives are being changed all over the world. It's brilliant. As we all know, um, Operation Christmas Child can't operate uh, this year the way it did um, in previous years. But Pauline would, would just like to say something. So Pauline, if you'd like to unmute yourself. Thank you. Uh, good morning, everybody. Um, I don't know about you, but I can't watch those videos without tears coming to my eyes when I see those children. So a big thank you to everyone who's donated fillers for the Go Boxes which a small group of us will be packing this week. Um, we're hoping to pack at least 100 boxes. Um, and we do now need sponsors for these boxes. It costs £5 to transport each box to a child, and most of ours will be going to Eastern Europe. So if you'd like to do this, um, <clears throat> full details of how to do it will be in next week's sheet. And if you're filling a box yourself, and we still have plenty more if you would like to fill a box for yourself or your family, they can be dropped off at the church any time up to the 22nd of November. Thank you. Thank you, Pauline. Um, let's just pray for that work. Father God, we thank you for uh, Samaritan's Purse and the Operation Christmas Child um, Project. Lord, we know that, um, or we imagine that the number of boxes this year will be, be less worldwide, Lord, than it has been. But we do pray for your blessing on this project. We pray that um, the children who really need to receive these boxes um, will receive a box uh, full of things that um, will bring them joy. But Lord, we, we would also long that they would know about your love that um, those of us who are those who fill boxes and, and send them off um, are doing them because of the love of Jesus. And Lord, besides that project, there are so many other things in the world that, that do need your prayer. And um, I wouldn't really know where to start. Um, think of the situation in Nigeria. Worldwide, Lord, there's so many things going on. We ask that you would... Um, move people to, to action, um, to show your love in every part of the world where it's needed. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Well, Mark had a, had a break last week from um, an all-age talk, but we're going to hear another one this morning. So thank you for that. Hi, how are you all doing? It's great to be here, isn't it? And today we have the pleasure of Tony speaking to us a little bit later on. Tony's going to be talking to us about staying the course. Part of staying the course is to do with making the right choices. Because we all have loads of choices to make, don't we? Some more difficult than others. So I thought 
it might be helpful if we had a look at a story from the Bible about a guy who had to make some difficult choices. His name was Daniel and he was an Israelite. He loved and trusted God. He prayed to God regularly because he loved him. But unfortunately, a lot of the Israelites disobeyed God. And because of that, they were taken into exile and Daniel was taken with them. Now, when he was in exile, Daniel's choices became really tough. So why don't we have a look at how he stayed the course? And I'm really pleased to tell you that we have Bethany and some friends helping us to learn more about Daniel this morning. So Bethany, can you tell us a bit more about Daniel? Thanks. There was a man named Daniel. Hello. Daniel really missed his home in Jerusalem. But Daniel also wanted to please God. And so Daniel worked really hard. He worked so hard he became one of the king's special helpers. But Daniel never forgot about God. And he prayed to him every morning, afternoon and evening. But some of the other helpers of the king were jealous of Daniel because they wanted his job for the king. So they came up with a plan to take away Daniel's job. They went to the king and said to him, King, I think there should be a new rule. No one should be allowed to pray to God. Everybody should pray to just the king. They knew that Daniel would break the rule and pray to God. Then he would definitely lose his job. His enemies were pleased. And indeed, the very next day, Daniel bowed his head and prayed. He prayed to God and not the king. Thank you, God, for taking care of me in this land, far from my home. Forgive us and help us to get home soon. But Daniel's enemies were spying on him and they saw him praying. So they ran to the king to tell him what had happened. We saw Daniel praying to God, and that's against the rule, so he must be punished. Why don't you throw him to the lions? The king was sad to hear this, but that was the rule, so he sent Daniel to the lion's den. But as he put him in there, he whispered a prayer to God that no one could hear. Please God, somehow save Daniel from the lions. Daniel was scared as he was put in the lion's den. It was dark and deep, and he could see the lion's teeth around him. Please help me, God. I don't want to be eaten by lions. But the lions growled. <coughs> then suddenly, the lion stopped. There was a voice behind Daniel. 
It was an angel from God. Shoo, quiet, go away, lions. Daniel was very surprised to see all the lions go quiet, lie down and even go to sleep. There's nothing to worry about now, Daniel. God sent me to watch over you so you can get some sleep. The next morning, the king was thrilled to see that Daniel was still alive. Pull Daniel out of the den right away. And while you're at it, arrest those silly men who talked me into this law and punish them instead. The king put his arm around Daniel and walked him back to the palace. For God had kept Daniel safe. Thanks, Bethany. Because of Daniel's faith and trust in God, he was able to make the right choices and stay the course. And because of his choices, everyone benefited. The king realized that God was loving and powerful and so commanded that everyone in Babylon should pray to God. And Babylon prospered. You see, Daniel put God first in all his decisions. I wonder, do I? Do you? Thank you, Mark. And thank you to Bethany and Andy and, and their team there um, for that retelling of the story. As, uh, as Mark said, Tony is going to be speaking to us um, about staying the course and the passage uh, that he's going to be speaking from is going to be read now. So Mary Parrish is going to read it for us. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. Dear children, this is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now, many antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar? It is the man who denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a man is the Antichrist. He denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. See that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he has promised us, even eternal life. I am writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, 
the anointing you received from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it is taught you, remain in him. Thank you, Mary. Let's pray now for Tony. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is so easily accessible to us without, without any fear. Lord, we thank you for Tony. Thank you for the, the words that you've given him to say. And yes, we want to hear from him this morning, but more than that, Lord, we want to hear from you. So would you bless us um, by speaking to us, allowing us to hear what you have to say to us? And would you, you bless Tony as he brings us your word this morning? Amen. Thank you, Alison. Uh, good morning again. Um, when I'd um, finished writing the uh, sermon, I sent it to uh, Steve and I sent it to Mark, and um, they very kindly um, did what they did. Um, and when I sent it to them, I thought, hmm, be interesting to see uh, what they make out of uh, this particular passage. And uh, I have to say, I am suitably impressed um, that the Spirit has been working in them uh, as it has been in me when uh, looking at this particular passage. Um, it's not an easy one um, to, to do, but uh, if you've listened to the songs and uh, you've listened to uh, um, Alan's uh, Bible reading um, that he gave us during the prayer time, then uh, you have all the sermon, really. So there's probably no need for me to say it, but uh, I'm going to say it anyway, because um, God has laid it on my heart. So we continue in 1 John 2, uh, verses 15 to 27. And uh, as you're aware, it's called Staying the Course. Now, life is uh, full of all sorts of decisions that we have to make that affect our lives and the lives of others. Some decisions are easy to make and some are very difficult. The most difficult ones, I guess, are the ones that not only affect yourself, but affects others. And it reminded me of a situation I found myself in uh, during 2014. Uh, the company that I worked for at the time uh, sent all its managers on a, uh, uh, it was a five part course uh, five different um, things to do, but part of it uh, was uh, an outward bound two days in Dorset. And uh, the eight of us that uh, were there, we were split into two teams uh, for various tasks. Now, I'm not sure I, I got put in the right one, but um, there was others that uh, had to go and take dogs for a walk, uh, serve a waiter and waitress in a cafe, um, they had to play as mannequins in a shop window. Uh, they had to play bus conductor. They did all sorts of things, and they had to take pictures of all of uh, these that were going on. But the team I got to pick for was uh, one that had a number of uh, physical challenges. We had to cross imaginary rivers. We had to find different things. Um, but one of the challenges was to climb this 40-foot pole, which you can see in front of you. And when you got to the top of the pole, uh, you then had to jump from the platform onto a trapeze bar. Now, you had to do that, and uh, two out of the four of us had to do it. Um, and uh, only one of us volunteered. Um, 
Now, unless two of you did it, we would lose 50 points and points were turned into pounds and profit for the company. So would we be prepared to lose 50 points? Well, nobody else wanted to volunteer. Uh, so uh, I volunteered and I'm not very keen on heights, I have to say. And uh, the first member of the team shimmed up the pole very quickly uh, and uh, got to the top and jumped. And now it was my turn. And I wasn't looking forward to this one little bit. So I started the climb. And uh, when they say, don't ever look down, I mean, it is so true. Because halfway up, I looked down and I suddenly froze and gripped the pole as hard as I could. And I just didn't want to move any further. But my teammates that were at the bottom and including the trainers were all shouting up encouragement at me that I could do it. Don't worry about it. You know, we've got you. Uh, just, just keep climbing. And uh, after a quick prayer and a few minutes, I continued to the top of the pole and onto the platform. But now for the jump to the bar. And uh, you can see from the picture how far the trapeze bar was away from the top of the pole. And, uh, but it just seemed when you're up there, it's just too far away. But a leap of faith was needed. And so I jumped and I made it. And uh, they let me down very slowly uh, after a while. But you see, halfway up, I had a choice. I could give up and take the easy route down or go on and complete the task, no matter how difficult it was. Hindsight's a wonderful thing. And I think I took the appropriate action on behalf of the team. I took one for the team and uh, we didn't lose the 50 points, but we gained 50 points by me doing it. So it was just a, a good experience. Uh, would I do it again? Not sure. Not sure. But uh, in this, it's, uh, this passage in John, uh, he's writing to a group of people and uh, a group of churches where false prophets uh, denounced as the Antichrist who denied the incarnation of Jesus. And in verse 15, he reminds them that they have to make a decision to either love the world or love the Father. Jesus made, this, uh, Jesus made this clear in Matthew 6 and verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So if we decide to love the world, then this will push the love of the Father out of us as the two are definitely not compatible. The world is full of sin and the Father is full of holiness. By loving the world, we love sin and cannot love the Father. John explains why the two things are not compatible in verse 16 and 17, because he says everything in the world, its lust of the flesh, its lust of the eyes and the pride of life does not come from the Father. It comes from somewhere else. The world and all its pleasures will pass away, but the Father is eternal. And in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus warns about storing up treasure on earth. 
In Matthew 6, verses 19 to 21, it says, Do not store up for yourselves treasure where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In the same way, Jesus, as John did, is warning the churches, for where your treasure is, there your heart is also. It's got to be either in the world or in the Father. The two are not compatible and don't go together. And John and Jesus reminds them that they need to continue to trust in Jesus in the face of temptations uh, of the world around them and around us. And we're around people who deny the truth of who Jesus Christ is. And often when we hear it in public, we hear it as a swear word. So there is the same warning to us today about not loving the world with its influences and its culture that tries to take us away from loving God. They and we have to take, make a choice to either love the world or love God. Paul, in his second letter to the Thessalonians, commands them and us in 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 15. And it says, So then, brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold fast to the teachings we passed on to you, whether by word or of mouth or by letter. And this leads us nicely into the next part of John's letter from verses 18 to 27. And here John is warning the churches about the Antichrist and Antichrists. Now the word Antichrist reminds us of the end times and what we read in the book of Revelation. And it's in Revelation where we learn about Satan along with his unholy army and what will happen in the end times. In this passage, John wants to help his readers and us understand there isn't only an Antichrist that is in the future at the end times, but there are Antichrists now within the churches. The Antichrist he's talking about with a small a are those in the early church and churches today who try to deceive the true believers with false teachings. And some of these have been, in, been church leaders. And I'm sure you can remember a number of years ago where someone publicly announced that they did not believe in the virgin birth, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and quoted that the Bible is a series of facts that no one today need take care about because they're outmoded and untrue. Church leaders saying those things. And the churches uh, have and have been wounded by having these people in their midst. They turn out to be not true believers, but enemies of God. John is not talking about people who move from one church to another for personal reasons, for preferences, for job changes, and a whole host of other reasons. They leave one fellowship, but they continue to worship Jesus with another set of believers. The people John is writing about, Antichrist with a small a, leave the church 
normally in a destructive manner, leaving a trail of pain and hurt in their wake and go off and not join another Christian church. These people can seem to be very spiritual, very gifted and prophetic, but always seem to be challenging the leadership of that church and other people to believe in what they are saying and doing. However, their views are not in line with the rest of the church or the Bible. And Jesus warns us not to be taken in by these people. In Mark 13, verses 22 to 23, for false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. So be on your guard. I have told you everything in advance. And John is writing to reassure the church that the departure of these people from the church was a healthy thing for the Christian community, despite the hurt and upset they caused. He calls them the Antichrist, but not the Antichrist who is to come. John is the only one of the New Testament writers to use the term Antichrist. However, there are other terms used to describe this figure. A figure who will rise up at the end time to be a mighty opponent to the Christian church. He will be a false Christ and he will deceive the world into worshipping him and turning Christians away from Christ. Paul, in his second letter to the Thessalonians, refers to this figure as the man of lawlessness, who will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped, so that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. But Paul and John are warning us to be on our guard and to stand firm in our faith in Jesus Christ. As Christians, we have been given the resources to be able to resist and to stand firm. We were given God's Holy Spirit when we accepted Jesus as Saviour. We received his anointing from God. And because of the anointing that we have within us, we know the truth about who Jesus is and his deity. With the Holy Spirit in us, we are able to understand and to know the truth. The Spirit guides us into all truth and works within us to keep us from sinning through making these wrong decisions. It is the Holy Spirit that inspired all the writings in the Bible, and he helps us to understand it, how to apply it to our lives, and how to stand against those who challenge our understanding of it. In John 14, verse 26, it says, The Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. As Christians, we all know the truth because we have a relationship with our creator God through Jesus Christ. However, there is one who wants to spoil that relationship at every opportunity. The closer we are to God, the more difficult it will be for him to steer us away from the path that God has called us to walk in. When halfway up the pole, I needed my colleagues and the instructors to encourage me to go on. 
how we need each other to encourage us when the going, going gets tough or when we feel under attack. See, it's vitally important that we are there for one another so that none of us make wrong decisions or get deceived and fall away. But in all this, there is even greater news. And that is that we stand on the victory side. We stand on the solid rock, which is Jesus Christ. And we know, and we've been told, that one day at his name, every knee will bow in heaven, on earth, under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. There will come a day when those who oppose Christ will be destroyed. And I've just picked two verses, um, or from, from uh, one from 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 8 says, And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming. And Revelation 20 verse 10, The devil who deceived them, was thrown into the lake of burning sulphur, where the beast and the false prophet have been thrown. They will be tormented day and night, forever and ever. We stand on the victory side. We have the Holy Spirit working in us to help us stay the course. And we have God as our protector. And we have his army of angels that are working for our good. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word to us this morning. We thank you that we are at this moment living through difficult times where we can see so much happening that is perhaps not of you. But Lord, the world will look and say, where is God in all of this? But we have the answer. The God is in control. Our God still reigns. And we thank you that you are working through all that we're going on, going through at this moment in time. And we know that you will receive the victory. So we pray that you will help us to stand firm in our faith, to stand firm in Jesus Christ, and to spread the good news, and to stand against those who would deceive. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. That's it. Thanks, Tony. And uh, I'd also like to thank Steve for leading our worship. And uh, what you probably can't see is up on the balcony we have... Uh, Nigel and John Straker and Simon Hayes who are all helping us uh, or enabling the technology to work so uh, I would like to, to thank them too and uh, so Steve will you lead us in our closing song go for it Simon
Lord God, we're overwhelmed 
at that assurance that one day we will see you face to face. And we know we don't deserve it, but it's what you've promised us. And we thank you for that. And in the meantime, Lord God, would you guard our hearts and minds? Would you keep them safe? Would you protect them against believing or, or sharing anything that's not your truth? Lord, we want to stand on the truth. We don't want to be deceived. And we do ask for your protection. We ask for your godly wisdom that in everything that we do and say, we will be guided by you, by your Holy Spirit, and that we will make only wise choices. And in the words of 1 Corinthians 15, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Amen. And uh, so as you can see on the screen, if you would welcome prayer, then please do call or text uh, Nigel's number there, 07770 uh, to receive prayer. It's been wonderful to be back in the building. And um, yeah, it's, uh, the downside is I can't see your faces, but uh, I know that you're there. And so um, I hope that you have a good week. And um, as I said at the beginning of the service, if you do wish to be in the building next week for the service, then could you please let Evelyn know during the week? Thank you and God bless. <laughs>